Checkpoint. Hello and welcome to Checkpoint, a gaming interview podcast where I ask my special guest about a game they like. I'm your host, George Diaz, and with me today is Ellen Weatherford. Ellen, care to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ellen Weatherford. Um, I'm a podcaster. I'm a, a, a wildlife science communicator, I suppose. I'm a mom. I'm a lifelong gamer. The capital G, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a goof. I'm a very casual gaming appreciator. Yeah, uh, gaming has always had a special role in my life, and I think that shines through in my podcasting content as well. So I'm really excited to get a chance to focus on that. Today is Sunday, November 13th, 2022, and it's the holiday season here at Checkpoint. And you know what that means? AAA releases. I'm going to try and release this on the 18th of uh, November to coincide with the release of the new Pokemon game, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Ellen, are you excited for the uh, new game? Did you pre-order either version? I have not pre-ordered because I intend on purchasing them digitally once they're up. Um, I've really kind of been shying away from physical copies of games recently because I currently have a toddler in my house um, and he just wants nothing more out of life than to uh, scatter my belongings across the entire universe. So I will be downloading it once it comes out, but I am extremely excited for the games. Yeah, isn't it supposed to be in like Spain or something for this one? Yeah, so this is the ninth generation of Pokemon RPGs. This one takes place in the Paldea region which is heavily inspired by Spain and the like Mediterranean region, I suppose. Um, so for people that are kind of less familiar with like how the Pokemon RPGs work, each generation of games takes place in a new region. And each region is usually kind of somewhat inspired by like a real life location. First few generations were mostly like different parts of Japan and then you know, they kind of started branching out into having regions that were based on like European countries or parts of the United States or something like that. And and this one is based on Spain. So you're seeing a lot of uh, Spanish inspired Pokemon designs, which has been really, really cool to see come out. Yeah, I've been, I'm a really big fan of a Spritacatito, aka Weed Cat. How cute. Okay, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> How much you want to i guess if this is going to come out on like the day it comes out it's okay to spoil things but i've seen the leaks of like people that have uh, have you seen them oh yeah i've seen them i do find it incredibly brave of them to make the final evolution of the weed cat have like stoned eyes he has like his eyes are red and half closed <laughs> I'm like, this cat is having the time of his life. Uh, Yeah, I'm very into that. I also like Lechonk. I like that one a lot. I just, I think it's going to be really cute. I like Small Live. There's also a, a regional variant of Wooper that's based on real salamander that lives in Spain. That is very, very cool that I'm very excited about. Yeah, I, I saw that there's going to be like a new uh, Diglett variant or something. I think that's going to be pretty neat. Probably. <laughs> They're always adding new Diglets. <laughs> was messing with Diglett. 
<laughs> Before we get to my brief overview of the game, I want the audience to know I'm going to be doing something a little different this time. Since the game we're covering is uh, roughly 18 to 19 years old, depending on which release you go by, Ugh, I feel old. I know this game can like vote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will be giving a more uh, some more numerical stats and stuff about uh, its availability and whether it's available on an emulator or not. If you uh, like that sort of thing, go ahead and let me know at the uh, show's email address, checkpointpodcast.tm. That's with uh, two T's, one for podcast, one for TM, at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Checkpoint Podcast was taken. Darn. You hate to see it. Yeah. With that little thing out of the way, let's uh, turn the clock back a little bit and let's talk about the game at hand. Pokemon Emerald is the 13th game in the Pokemon franchise, released in Japan on September 16th, 2004, North America on May 1st, 2005, Australia on May 9th of the same year, and October 21st of the same year in Europe. It was the third best-selling game on the Nintendo Game Boy Advance at 7,060,000 copies, falling behind Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire at 16,220,000 copies, and Pokemon Fire Red and Pokemon Leaf Green at 12 million copies at least according to the sales numbers that I looked up on Wikipedia. Wow. Pokemon truly had the Game Boy Advance uh, just absolutely cornered. Yeah, I, I really wish more people would talk about my personal favorite, and by personal favorite, I mean the only one I've ever played, Pokemon Yellow, a.k.a. Rise of the Fat Pikachu. That's a very cute game. That is one of the very few surviving Game Boy Color games that I still have. It's, like, special to me because it's the one that I actually still have that still works on my Game Boy. <laughs> because this game was released almost 20 years ago, it's pretty much a vintage game now. Ugh. <laughs> it's an antique. I pre-ordered it what the fuck this is just uh visceral <laughs> yeah well i'm about to go into some negatives just okay. right about now <laughs> embraced um, it's uh, okay <laughs> uh, hold on to your wallets folks you can find physical copies of emerald on ebay ranging anywhere from 1999 us dollars to 200 or even 250 us dollars if uh you don't have a local vintage gaming store to see if they have one in stock for a cheaper price i'd look into a uh, emulation that's how i've been playing it the last uh the last few years oh yeah you did say something about that earlier yeah i've been playing it on um various game boy advanced emulators on my phone and so i actually like bust my phone out and play pokemon emerald i've uh, only done some light research on this but uh from what i can tell it's been successfully emulated does it play smoothly it's played it plays fantastic yeah it's great um there are like a couple of things that work a little more wonky when you're using an emulator because they're based on like the um clock of the game that i think on some emulators doesn't run super smooth but there are workarounds for it but yeah i mean i i had no trouble i've played through the game multiple times on emulators and i've never had any trouble with it oh great nice yeah another thing is that like you can't i mean obviously it's an old game right nobody's gonna be playing this game and like a big part of the game was like trading right like trading with other people who were playing the games and you kind of can't do that now some emulators actually let you simulate like a link cable and play with other people somehow i that i have not tried but i i've heard tell that you can still basically do the same thing but like Go into it understanding that you're probably not going to be able to complete the Pokedex. <laughs> hey, at least you're still able to play it. Yeah, I mean, you still get the experience. Pokemon is, well, 
let's be honest with ourselves, listeners. Everyone and their mother knows what Pokemon is, <laughs> whether it be the anime, which I think is either now in the process of ending or has just ended, with Ash finally becoming the world champion after about 25 years, I think I saw. That's big news. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit. Everyone was talking about that. Yeah. He finally defeated a champion. He's tried many, many times over the years and failed every single one. Or has played or seen someone play one of the many video games that has been released by Game Freak since 1998. But I will regardless. The Pokemon games are open world RPGs about catching pocket monsters called Pokemon in different regions of the Pokemon world where you gotta, you know, gotta catch them all. Yeah. Gotta catch them all. It's timeless. Everybody knows that one, right? I feel like that's like a household sort of most people can associate the gotta catch them all with Pokemon, I think. It's it's just one of those things where it's like it really skyrocketed in popularity in like the 90s and early 2000s. For sure. So now even the older generations are like, what is, what is this Pokemon thing? I, I will also say that Pokemon Go did so much to revitalize the Pokemon brand. Oh, uh, yeah, the the renaissance of Pokemon is what I like to call it. And that was timed extremely well because that was specifically, like, that came out, I want to say it was the 25th, 20th, maybe? No, it would have been the 25th. Yeah, the 21st anniversary of Pokemon. Pokemon Go was, like, part of this year-long sort of anniversary celebration of, like, 25 years of Pokemon. And uh, it was... And a resounding success that I legitimately don't think anybody expected. I don't think anyone thought Pokemon Go was going to be as successful as it was. But I know so many people like coworkers or family members or people who Pokemon Go is like the only Pokemon game they've ever played in their life. Right. But they've played a lot. So like there are people who now feel strongly about Pokemon because of Pokemon Go. So that was a big, uh, I think that did so much to like bring it back into the forefront. It had definitely been kind of like, fading for a while was a little bit waning in popularity and then pokemon go just like brought this huge wave of popularity back to the mainstream yeah i personally like to call that brief time period pax pokemonus which is the play on pax romana aka roman peace because <laughs> nothing really happened during that time period that was the most magical the most magical like like month or two of my life that was the most incredible period of time, just especially if you were already a Pokemon fan and you were already like pretty excited about this game to go out and experience just like the the fantasy of like like the sort of situation that was always propped up in like commercials for pokemon games right where in the commercials for pokemon games it would always be like oh yeah you're like out on you're out going for a walk at the park and you run into this other person also playing pokemon and then you play pokemon together and become friends and like that was always sort of like set up as the expectation and then it actually came true with Pokemon Go, where you'd go out and actually meet people and make new friends through playing Pokemon. <laughs> it was that was an absolutely incredible time, like best two months of my life. Loved it so much. That was an absolute slam dunk. Way to go, Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. We got people outside. We got people co Pokemon going to the polls. Yeah, they Pokemon went to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> Why did she have to say that? I think that 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 cost her the election. That was probably it. That's was what did. That was the, the nail in the coffin. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> we said the same thing. 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. Oops. <laughs> Even if you're canonically a 10 year old kid or something with no supervision of any kind, at least from what I've seen and played, which is very little. For uh, those who haven't listened to the inaugural episode of Remedy Games Control with Kami Jace, the first episode of the podcast, uh, I'll let you in on a little secret, which I've already revealed, what, a minute or so ago? I've uh, I've only played one Pokemon game, Pokemon Yellow, uh, back when Fat Pikachu reigned supreme. I loved that little guy. I loved little chubby Pikachu. To get back on track... Uh, Pokemon Emerald has a meta score of 76 with 26 critic reviews and a user rating of 8.9 with 811 user reviews. Ellen, either out of 10 or out of 100, what would your personal rating for Pokemon Emerald be and why? I'm going to go with out of 10 instead of out of 100. And I'm just, I'm going to say nine out of 10, um, to put this game sort of in perspective, so I've I've been playing Pokemon since I couldn't read. <laughs> like I like learned to read playing Pokemon basically. <laughs> um and the third generation of Pokemon games, like you mentioned, like there was Ruby and Sapphire that came out as the sort of first rollout of the third gen games. And then a little while after those games came out, Emerald came out. And Emerald was like the upgraded version and like upgraded and combined version of Ruby and Sapphire basically. Um, so it had sort of the, it was essentially the same game, but like a spruced up more in depth kind of, you know, zhuzhed up version of it basically. And the third generation of Pokemon games going from Game Boy Color to Game Boy Advance were such an astronomical upgrade from the second generation of Pokemon games. So like the jump from the second to the third gen was like, it's like that scene in the wizard of Oz where suddenly everything turns into like colorful and like everything's bright and colorful. (laughs) Like it feels like that scene in the wizard of Oz where like all of a sudden it's so much more vibrant and in depth and beautiful and exciting. So like you're already coming into this with like, wow this is so cool because of how much better it was than the previous pokemon games um and so it just it introduced so many really interesting mechanics like um, passive abilities like each pokemon having their own passive ability was a brand new thing double battles were a brand new thing whether you liked them or not they were new in that generation (laughs) and later on i think it was the fifth gen games or maybe it was a six. I don't remember exactly. One of them tried triple battles and I, they flew too close to the sun with that one. They, were like, they immediately were like, no, that, that was too much. That was too much. Bring it back. Bring it back. Um, so they rolled that back immediately. Um, but there were also like some really interesting like mini game features. Uh, like in the third generation of games, there were all these really interesting little like fluff, like pieces of fluff in the game to really give you a lot to like chew on so they had like secret bases that you could like decorate and build and they had uh contests that were like really fun and it could be a little bit goofy but they were surprisingly addictive um a lot of the pokemon games have this like casino style game corner that have little mini games you can play in there so like a lot of little things to kind of round out the experience of the game 
Um, Emerald version particularly had like a post game area called the battle frontier where like after you beat the elite four and the credits roll and stuff like that, this Island would open up where you could go and play through these different like buildings that had these different fun, like battle challenges that were not in Ruby and Sapphire. So Emerald had this whole post game content, opened up that that gen that the first two didn't have which was really cool because i think a big criticism of the games up to that point was that there was like no post game like you the credits roll that's it you know unless you are a completionist that wants to complete the pokedex there wasn't a lot for you to do after that um I mean, in the second generation of games, you could, it was extremely ambitious because you would play through Johto and then you could actually go to Kanto. Like in the game, you would go back to Kanto and then you could like play all the way back through Kanto, which was just like, it was a feat of engineering that they were able to cram that much content into the game in the first place. The, the closest thing I can think of, like compared to that, is uh, I don't know if you've ever played gta san andreas i haven't i've never played a grand theft auto game i'm sorry i haven't <laughs> oh no you you gotta even if it's just to drive around that's that's what just i do enjoy it <laughs> i'm that kind of gamer okay in uh one of the missions you actually go from san andreas which is california in the, one of the main cities is uh los santos which is los angeles to the previous game city which is Liberty City, a.k.a. New York, in oh, one mission. You have to fly there. It takes you like five minutes just to get there by yourself. Oh, fun. <laughs> I love it when like a whole new map opens up and you're like, oh, there's a whole new world for me to explore. Um, but I, you know, I did mention that I gave Emerald a 9 out of 10 instead of a full 10. Um, and I think that's because there were still a lot of very, very clunky elements of the game that kind of like impeded um exploration and navigation so like throughout the pokemon games um they haven't done this anymore in the more recent games but you had to basically progress through the world the way that they would prevent you from progressing too quickly and like getting to the next place without completing what you were supposed to do was like introducing these obstacles in the world that you could only pass when your Pokemon learned a certain move that they could use in the field, it was called an HM move. Um, and HM stood for hidden machine, which was like the, the item you needed to use to teach your Pokemon this move. So until you got that move and until you got the right gym badge so that your Pokemon could use that move in the field, you couldn't progress. This is like a normal thing in video games for them to have like, Oh no, you can't get through until you get this certain object. But like that, those obstacles popped up throughout the game, which meant that you had to basically be prepared at all times for these little obstacles to come up. And in Gen 3 in particular, there were eight different HMs. So each each Pokemon that you have, you can only have up to six Pokemon with you. Each Pokemon has four move slots. So, you know, you're working with pretty limited move slots on your team already. And Eight of them have to be taken up by these HM moves. And the HM moves, most of them suck. Like, they're awful moves. They're not going to help you in combat. They're like a complete waste of a move slot. Most of them are. And so you would be stuck with either wasting valuable move slots on your actual team, or what most people did was just drag around some poor random Pokemon that you just load up with these terrible HM moves, right? It would be like a Zigzagoon or something like that that you 
would just have and that would just be wasting a slot on your team <laughs> and your team's pretty small to begin with so that meant that like it really limited the enjoyment of the campaign i think because you had to like work around having pokemon in your team that could help you navigate the world but then also there was like these weird there was this one weird mechanic where like you had a bike which that's normal i think in like just about every pokemon game you have a bike to go around faster but in this game in particular there were two different types of bikes and one bike would like let you hop around the other bike would let you like do a burst of speed and those different types of bikes could let you access different areas like depending on which technique they could do but you could only have one bike at a time so every time you encountered that obstacle if you didn't just so happen to have the right bike with you you would have to go back fly all the way back to Malville City to the bike store go to the bike store switch out your bikes get the other one fly all the way back to where you were get back to that obstacle so like there it was a huge pain in the ass for for oh God, there was there's only like one one bike, you, one bike there shop? was one bike shop and you could only have one bike at a time so in oh. order to like get past that obstacle and they would pop up everywhere so like in order to get to whatever you were trying to get to it, you would have to go way out of your way to go back and get the and there was no reason for that by the way there was like no no reason for that whatsoever it was a very silly mechanic there, there was no reason so like just the hms and the bikes combined made kind of like a big impediment to exploring the game which was really annoying <laughs> and it still is kind of annoying because that's like the game really rewards exploration and it really rewards like curiosity and persistence and so it just felt really really frustrating for there to be so many like very awkward and clunky like obstacles and i say that with the understanding that like introducing friction like that can also benefit the player of the game because it can force you to slow down right like a big criticism of the more recent games is that they're so easy um you know you can blast through the whole game in like a couple of days basically because there's just not a lot of pushback in the game you you know just breeze right through it um so you know i'm i don't think that necessarily do it like go, going the extra mile to introduce intentionally annoying obstacles is the solution but at least it does kind of make you maybe go through the same area a couple of times you know like maybe you do need to go back through and be like oh i don't have the right thing to get this i'll come back to it later and then that makes you go through that route again and then maybe on your second pass through you see something you didn't before so like I guess there's a benefit there. It's just there were a lot of things in the game that in retrospect, I'm like, y'all did not need to do this. You did not have to do this to me. This was just rude. Like you guys were just trolling me. So that I think that's kind of why I dock at a point because there were still some really, really clunky things in the game. But on I cannot count how many times I've played through the entire game. But over like the years that it's been out, I've played through it many, many times. And I think it holds up like really well there are a lot of games from my childhood that i've tried to go back through and play as an adult and i know myself well enough to start a game and be like you know what this isn't as good as i remember it being i had rose-colored glasses like that this was nostalgia goggles talking but for pokemon emerald every time i replay it i'm like no you know what this game actually does slap <laughs> yeah i can relate to that um about a year or so ago 
I decided to, to binge through every single Assassin's Creed game. Wow, that's a lot of them too. Until you get to Assassin's Creed Revelations, it's very slow. Everything took forever. I only played the first two games, and I remember the first one being extremely repetitive. It was like the same three missions, like over and over and over again. Yeah, beat up a crier, uh, pickpocket <laughs> some information, or eavesdrop on some people. Yeah, and then just do that like cluster of missions like nine times. <laughs> but like going back and replaying games that you're nostalgic for sometimes can make you be like, oh, I was just remembering this as cool, but I, I'm always satisfied when you go back and you're like, no, no, this is good. This is a good game. Yeah, Younger Me was still right. Yeah. Pokemon Coliseum is a game that I loved as a kid that I tried to replay later, and I was like, oh, this actually sucks ass. This game is terrible. Is that one of the few ones that was on a... Uh the Wii? It was on the GameCube. I loved it. I loved it so much as a kid. I was obsessed with it. I played it so much and then I tried to replay it like 10 years later and I was like, this is unplayably bad. <laughs> this is <a> terrible game. <laughs> so I'm not above, you know, I'm not above looking back and being like, no, this isn't as good as I remember, but but Emerald holds up for sure. Why? Well, hey, at, uh, at least some games do. Yeah, for sure. Sonic Adventure 2 is another one that I think holds up. That's still a good game. I think Shadow the Hedgehog still holds up, but that's just me. I haven't replayed it. Uh, I found I found my GameCube game for Shadow the Hedgehog recently, and I have my GameCube. I just I have everything I need to play it. I just haven't committed to actually replaying it. I think there's part of me that's like, don't. It's it's still good. It's still good. I promise. <laughs> it was bold of them to be like, you know what this franchise needs guns guns a chopper and cussing we need more guns <laughs> guns and cussing <laughs> what a spectacular move gotta try and find a wii that's gonna be expensive um yeah i i mean i remember so few games from the wii although that was the wii was when i got into twilight princess i played on the wii and that was my first zelda game so that was how i got i got into zelda on the wii and okami was a beautiful game um that i played on the wii that i think works best on the wii because it involves like drawing um which works best on the wii mote uh, but there is a port for the Switch now. Like you can play Okami on the Switch. Um, and that's a that's a good game. It didn't hold up. I, I replayed it like a couple years ago. Well, when it came out on the Switch, I replayed it. And it does it didn't hold up exactly the way I wanted it to, but it's still it's a pretty good game. Oh, it's the one with this really, really neat art style. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's Okami. It's O-K-A-M-I. I've, I've never played it, but I do recognize the game purely from its art style. Yeah, it's a really gorgeous game. If you haven't played it, you should. Yeah, very unusual. I've never played a game like that, and I haven't played another one like that since, but a really gorgeous game. And, and you know, I think I kind of got disinterested halfway through because I was like, okay, yeah, I remember what happens after this. But, like, if you haven't played it, it's it's definitely worth it worth playing through you know a game that still holds up what's that the back of the barnyard video game okay <laughs> okay so there's this uh, nickelodeon uh straight to tv movie called back of the barnyard with kevin james as that's the one where the where the male cow has the udders right yes where they accidentally put a fuck ton of trans mask representation into their movie i'm so happy for them you play as a self-insert character with light rpg elements the whole world is just a, a big excuse to do a bunch of mini games spectacular <laughs> and buy stuff for the for the late night club in the barn when the farmer's <laughs> asleep that's so this is something that i think is kind of a lost art something that i miss is the time when every popular kids movie had a companion video game there was like an associated video game for like every kid's movie. I remember I spent a lot of time goofing off with like a Shrek video game, like a Shrek game on the Xbox. Um, there was like a billion SpongeBob games. <laughs> yeah, aren't some of them getting remasters now or something? Probably. I mean, I liked the Shrek game, but like there was a period of time for like a while where every game had like a companion. It would always be like movie title the game yeah or something like that um uh, i remember playing g-force the game and <laughs> it was it was really hard or i was just that little one or the other <laughs> yeah I, I have been uh going back through and being like was this game actually hard or did i just play it when i was seven so although this episode is about just the one game in an over 20 year franchise I first want to ask, uh, what got you into Pokemon as a whole? And uh, did you get into the anime first or the games? So I had like seen the anime on, but I didn't like specifically seek it out to play it um, or to watch it. Like the, the anime came on too late. <laughs> and I was, it was like on past my bedtime, so I didn't get to watch it. But uh, I really didn't know what it was. I had just like seen it around and didn't know like anything about what it was called or anything until uh in 2000 i guess it would have been 2000 the christmas of 2005 or 2004 maybe no much earlier than that 1999 or 2000 yeah 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 because i was four um four or five something like that my grandmother got for christmas a for me a purple transparent game boy color which I still have and it still works. Yeah. And she got that for me and she was a piano teacher at the time. And one of her students had been telling her about this game where there are all these little animals that have magical powers and you run around trying to catch them. And she thought it sounded like something I'd be into because she knew I really liked animals. So she got me Pokemon gold and that was my first time like hearing the word pokemon because like i hadn't really absorbed it and so you know i turned it on and started playing it and at the time i really couldn't read that well um and this is if you've never played a pokemon game it is reading it is text heavy um you know everything that you do in the game requires 
reading or responding to prompts. Um, you can definitely play the game without understanding the prompts. Uh, but you know, it's, it's the, the enjoyment of it hinges on being able to read the text. So, um, I kind of learned how to read better by playing Pokemon gold, uh, and, and just played that like crazy. And, and I've played every Pokemon game since I, I never really did get super into the anime. Like I, I watched the anime when it was on and I, I remember enjoying the movies when I was a kid. Like I really liked the movies, but it's not, you know, like I, it wasn't like it is now where my, my son is really into the Pokemon anime now and he can turn it on on like Netflix or Hulu or whatever and start from the beginning and watch them in order. So he's like getting the actual story of it, right? Like he's like watching them in the intended order. But when I was a kid, all we had was like, you know, cable and you would just hope that you would catch an episode of Pokemon when it was on and if it was on it very likely wasn't going to be in order like it was just going to be whatever episode was on at the time so I didn't get to like watch them in order so the story didn't make any sense um so I, I just wasn't su I never was super into the anime um which which I think it's fine because the games and the anime don't have anything to do with each other. They're completely disconnected. Um, so it's, it's no big deal. Although like Pokemon yellow is actually a lot more. Yeah. That one's more of a direct adaptation of the anime. Yeah. That one ties in directly to the anime, but the other games for the most part have like no relationship to the anime at all, which is, is fine. Other than like some of the same character designs show up. Um, that's really where the similarities similarities ended. So, uh, you know, I just I just played the games, but I have played every generation of Pokemon that has come out since Gold. And I did eventually go back and play Red and Blue, but it wasn't until I was like older. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually the exact opposite. Randomly going through channels, SpongeBob wasn't on. I'm like, oh, what's what's this? Turn it on to Cartoon Network and this weird ass show in a really weird art style that I was not familiar with. I'm like, oh, what's this? Yeah, I think for a lot of kids, it's like the first exposure to anime, right? Like, it's probably a lot of kids' first anime. <laughs> Definitely was mine. It, you know what's funny is I remembered. Um, the first time I saw the Pokemon anime like on TV, but I didn't know what it was. Uh, I remembered that the, what I had seen of it was a, there was a Ponyta. It was the episode with Ponyta. Um, and it, and it really sunk in because I like remember drawing it later and because I was just thinking, oh, it was just this cool horse I saw on TV. Like on TV, I saw this cartoon that had this horse on it. And the horse was all like the, the mane was made of fire. And like, I just thought that was so cool. And I would like draw it and talk about it that I didn't know it was a Pokemon until later. I was like, oh, it was just Ponyta. Um, but like that was my first. That was technically my first exposure to anime was seeing Ponyta on TV. But I did not know what it was at the time. I got my memories real mixed up it wasn't on cartoon network it was on cw for kids back when the, they they made a dubs for anime with like really unnecessary censorship like instead of uh what, what are they actually called they call them donuts in the show but it's a uh... it was the onigiri yeah they had the little rice balls that they called um jelly donuts they've done that with a few other things in the show but they've also like scrapped entire episodes too that like made the story not make sense like there's an episode where ash catches a whole herd of tauros 
Uh, but in that episode, someone pulls a gun on him. <laughs> and so they they didn't air that episode in, in the United States. And so if you watch it, like in the way it came out in the United States, Ash just like suddenly has a whole herd of Tauros. <laughs> like it's not really explained or referenced. They just show up because in that one episode, someone uh, points a gun directly at Ash Ketchum. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I got out of the anime a little bit after uh, Brock left. Mm-hmm. I do remember seeing the Dialga uh, and Polkia and Darkrai movie. That one being the one that I remember the most, particularly because of the uh, just the the designs for the legendary Pokemon in that in that one. Yeah, and I think I only really played the one Pokemon game because uh, Pokemon games are expensive even now. Mm-hmm. They are, and also they do that, which I okay. I love Pokemon obviously to death, but I the the whole doing two different versions that are slightly similar, but you're not going to complete the game unless you have both version or access to both versions. It's it's the most transparent money making bullshit gimmick ever, and it's infuriating. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> it's still it's bullshit i hate i hate that they have done that and i hate that they keep getting away with it but on me as a kid it worked because my i had divorced parents and i would ask each parent for each separate version of the game and they gave it to me for christmas so every christmas i had both games Until I got to the point where I was too old to be asking for Pokemon uh, games for Christmas from my parents and I had to buy them myself. And that is coincidentally when I suddenly only started playing one game per generation. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, they didn't really get any mainline Pokemon games on the Wii. So I never got into it then because I didn't have a DS. Yeah, they really didn't. Uh, or at least not until my little brother got one. Even then, I never used it. And mm. he never played any Pokemon games. That's what my my older son is right now, you know, getting really into Pokemon. And lucky for him, I still have almost all of my old Pokemon stuff. So I still have my 3DS. Um, my original DS snapped literally clean in half. So I do not have it anymore. Oh, no. Um, yeah, the like hinge on it broke and it just eventually snapped into. Um, but I have my 3DS and I have almost all of my old Pokemon games and he's going through and like playing my old Pokemon games now, which is really cool because they're like games that came out before he was born, you know, but he's he's really loving them, which is which is a delight for me. Yeah, I was more of a PlayStation kid. I spent my childhood uh, playing on the PlayStation Portable and playing Midnight Club L.A. Yeah. And I think three. I think that also came out on that. My mom was a software developer at microsoft so we were an xbox family through and through i never had any playstation device ever um until moving in with christian and he had the playstation i guess playstation 3 was what he had at the time when we moved in together so then i had a so then i had a step uh, i had a step playstation at that point because he already had it when i moved in uh, and now we're a playstation in law yeah that's my playstation in law <laughs> so now but now you know we're, we're kind of a playstation family at this point now we've got the got the ps5 in there that that because that's what christian keeps getting so i'm i don't feel strongly enough about it so i'm still i'll still buy whatever has a nintendo logo on it so yeah i yeah i only had the xbox 360 for about a year and then my parents were like all right uh we're not paying for online 
because I kept bugging them for online, but you had to pay for that. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we're not getting that. We we sold your Xbox 360. We got you a PS3. It's free online. You can play with your uncle. Yeah. There were some really solid single player games on Xbox 360. I've always been a single player person. I've never really been super into playing multiplayer games at all. Um, But there were some solid single players on xbox 360 i remember the gears of war series being really big and the halo series being really big i only played one of those and that was reach halo reach was really good i liked halo reach too bad they're not making a uh halo tv show right wink wink i feel like i've been hearing about this for 20 years it's so bad it's so bad it's bad yeah they make master chief fuck for some reason in lore, he's like sterile and very much asexual. Is it Cortana? Uh, no. Cortana is like your uh, little AI buddy thing in your helmet. Well, yeah, I know. But like, does he like, he doesn't hook up with Cortana? He does not bang the computer lady. No. Because I feel like that's what they were setting up, right? There was like a little <laughs> bit of tension there. I always sort of felt like there was some tension. Yeah, there was definitely a little <laughs> bit of tension. I'm like, what did they have going on? what is this like what is the vibe here <laughs> they're so weird but it's also weird because when you find out that uh cortana is based off the person that pretty much genetically engineered all the super soldiers so technically it's a clone she's like his mom kinda ew it's really weird i i'm i'm not the authority on Nasty. halo i'd uh, i'd uh, Point over to my friend Josh Turnipseed, the person that made the music for this podcast, if you want the lore on that. But he unfortunately does not have any. Uh... He's probably yelling at his headphones right now, like, <laughs> it's she's not his mom, you idiots! I just know that he doesn't have any social media, unfortunately, so I can't bug him about it. Oh, well, I guess I don't have to hear about it then. Since we got big picture, let's focus a bit and ask, what got you into Pokemon Emerald specifically? Like, uh, what made it stand out against the other games before and uh, also after the uh, this installment? Yeah, uh, Pokemon Emerald, I remember being very hyped about it because I had already been, at that point, been playing Ruby and Sapphire. So I was just geared up for whatever at that point, basically. Um, and Emerald, I remember, I have a vivid memory of going to uh eb games if you remember eb games um uh, maybe it was a regional thing i don't know um i i know that they sounds like a european thing honestly <laughs> well eb games i think eventually got bought by gamestop or something like that um but i i remember going to eb games and pre-ordering pokemon emerald and they were doing this little promotional like tin that had like rayquaza on it it was really i i was hyped about it um so i was just i was excited about it like from the get-go uh i really did i don't think i really cared about the you know game features and stuff like that i was at the point where i was what when did you say this game came out 2004 so at the time yeah, 2004 2005 yeah at the time i was nine and so i was basically gonna buy whatever had the pokemon logo on it um, I was just going to throw my money at any Pokemon content I could get my hands on. But Emerald does really stand out from the other games. It's just, uh, you know, it has a lot more, like like I mentioned earlier, it has a lot more like post-game content. Um, this is a very silly thing, but 
it meant a lot to me as a kid is that at the time when a Pokemon would come out like in battle or something like that, the sprites would have a little, literally a two frame little animation where they would kind of like do a little motion or a movement or something like that when they came out. And this is nothing, this is nothing, but it was such a, like so impactful to me. It got me so hyped that I was like, look when the Pokemon appear, they do a little dance. And like that <laughs> was like game of the year to me. I was so excited. Um, there are like some, some differences in the plot too, like in the, um the factions that you fight against and like the legendaries that you have access to in the game are different in emerald than they are in ruby and sapphire it's like if that's the sort of thing you care about that was the sort of thing i was interested in i guess you know i was really just gonna get whatever came out but these days now when i feel like i need to go back through and replay a gen 3 game i go straight for emerald because it just it's it's like just the spruce stuff the new and improved version of the other two gen 2 gen 3 games so like you know just go straight to emerald <laughs> don't bother uh it, i i tell people that are like trying to get back into the old pokemon games now is like if you're gonna play gen 3 just just skip straight to emerald don't worry about trying to like oh should i play ruby or sapphire no just skip to emerald it's better <laughs> now here's something i've been meaning to ask just anyone into the pokemon games in general does does pokemon have a plot in the games or is it literally just hey kid go out there and capture some creatures that most certainly can kill you god at this point i wish it was like that but no unfortunately there is a plot um which i've never been the type of person that cares at all about the plot of like any pokemon game it's just i feel like the plot is always just something that's in between me and doing what I want to do, which is just like running around catching Pokemon and stuff like that, like vibing. Um, so in every Pokemon game, there is always a story that involves the player character coming into conflict with some sort of villainous faction that is trying to in some way take over the world. In the first two generations, it was Team Rocket which people familiar with the anime know who Team Rocket is. It was, you know, it was Team Rocket in the first two games, but like they really didn't appear that often in the game. Like you would encounter them like uh, in a couple places where you would need to like infiltrate their base and defeat their boss. Um, but then over time, eventually these villainous factions become more and more involved in the story. And in generation three, you start to see that really ramping up where like, the enemy factions are Team Magma and Team Aqua. And each faction is trying to... <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid when I say it out loud. Um, Team Magma, their goal is to expand the landmass of the Earth using the box legendary for Ruby version, which is Groudon. So in if you're playing Ruby version, you're enemies are team magma they're trying to unleash Groudon and expand the continental landmass of the earth um if you're playing sapphire version your enemies are team aqua who are trying to use the box legendary kyogre to expand the sea and flood the earth and make more ocean at no point do they explain why they want to do this like this is not something that is like really well thought out or developed they just want to and it's like a whole like organization of people who are like i want to expand the seas and at no point is anybody like 
why <laughs> just accept it and go with it there's no there's no evil villain monologue. i mean like there there is but it doesn't explain like what the it doesn't yeah go no it's very it's a very strange story um looks cool though it does look very cool um in emerald version you're facing both factions at the same time where they're like competing with each other so team magma and yeah i think that was actually a really cool way of doing that um so like in in the previous two games one of them would be your enemy and the other one you'd kind of be working almost alongside um and in in emerald version they're both fighting each other um and you have to kind of thwart both of them uh which is kind of cool it's kind of an interesting thing it it really doesn't make any sense um at least they look cool like i thought the villains in this game looked awesome uh but yeah like your overarching goal is to like defeat all the gym leaders get all your gym badges defeat the elite four and become the pokemon master so like yes that is ultimately your sort of compelling objective of the game but there is this plot that you play through in later games um i feel like pearl does the the fourth generation games like diamond and pearl didn't go overboard with this but i feel like starting in in the fifth generation of games the plot gets so incredibly dense and like front and center to the games that so much of the game is just clicking through dialogue screens just clicking and clicking and clicking through dialogue and dialogue and you can't like do anything <laughs> during these dialogue scenes that are just like sprawling and there's just like dialogue dialogue cutscene cutscene dialogue dialogue cutscene cutscene and like i feel like so many of the later games get so bogged down in plot uh that it is it gets so exhausting for me but i feel like gen 3 was a little bit before the plot started to overtake the rest of the game um, and I am very much more of a gameplay person than a plot person. So I was like, you know, please leave me alone with whatever you're trying to get me to do. Keep it. Uh, just I don't want no part of it. Uh, I have no interest in saving the world. I am just here to vibe. Um, but like, yes, there is a plot. I don't particularly care about it. <laughs> it's just not that important to me there's like some some of the later ones get really abstract and like high concept um and i'm just sitting here scrolling through i'm like this is still a pokemon game you guys <laughs> you need to chill this is a little much for me isn't isn't there like one faction in one of the games that's like pokemon Peta pretty much i think that's the fifth generation of pokemon games which is very ironic because at the time Peta was doing a whole anti-pokemon campaign um but it, I, I don't know you couldn't really tell if it was like that was their way of responding to that like pushback or if maybe they were just going like that was like one of the most sympathetic pokemon villains like that was one of the villains that a lot of people who follow the the pokemon plot are like no huh. he was right actually <laughs> but you know I, I just i've never been the type of person that really i i don't like to do all of the scrolling because I'm, I'm sitting here like clicking a a million times like please get this dialogue over with so i can get back to the game um which i know a lot of people that is not everyone's play style so people who uh care more about the plot uh probably consider what i'm saying to be heresy but uh it's just i just i've never really found it incredibly uh 
it's never been a huge part of the game experience to me. Not everyone plays the game for the story. Some play it for the gameplay. Some play it for both. Yeah. It all just kind of depends on personal preference. I know. I just don't like being told what to do, I think is the problem. I don't like having to sit here and, you know, I, I don't like having to, uh, you know, being stuck in the dialogue window. You know what you mean? You know what I mean? Like not being able to like walk away from an interaction. Just, I get so tired of it. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit off script here and ask something i'm surprised i didn't already put in the script what's your favorite pokemon and why um uh, so that's kind of hard to say because there's a billion of these dudes um this these games like the gen 3 games came out uh you know when i was just right at that perfect age to be super into pokemon and i think because of that i have a str- i have stronger feelings about the third generation pokemon and I've always really liked uh, Latias, which was a legendary in these games, but not a box legendary, uh, though they did appear in a movie that came out around the same time. So Latias has kind of always had a, a sort of a special place in my heart. I also really like um, Garchomp, which is uh, a hammerhead shark jet plane pokemon (laughs) and also i have fond feelings about this one little pokemon called whimsicott which is a little fairy that is like based on like a cotton plant basically and uh, i have fond memories of it because it when i had one on my team in pokemon x and y so that x and y came out when i was a young adult in college um all of my friends were playing it and very very into it i had a big crush on christian at the time um and we weren't dating or anything and so i was kind of at the point where i was um doing a lot of things to get his attention (laughs) and uh we were all all of our friends were gonna get together and have like a party where we were gonna all play pokemon together and have a little battle tournament and stuff like that and a lot of us were making little monotype teams and so my team my team type was fairy and i had a whole team of fairy type pokemon including this whimsicott so i was gonna go battle my friends with my fairy type team christian's team was water type and whimsicott is part grass type which is super effective against water type and i had also been very particular about like planning out my strategy for using this whimsicott and i fucking obliterated his team with this whimsicott like absolutely fucking swept like i wiped the floor with his team and it's so funny because like first of all it's funny because it's whimsicott which is like not a very commonly used pokemon especially not like competitively um i just happened to use it in a very exploitative way and (laughs) and he also happened to not have any counters to it on his team um So it was kind of luck that I absolutely just fucking cleaned house with this Whimsicott. But also it was very funny because that is, I think, probably the only time I've ever beaten him at anything in my life. Like we have played so many games together and I think I peaked in that moment. Like I've never beaten him at any other game other than just this one time I completely wrecked him in Pokemon. You proved your worth in battle. I know, and he's been steamrolling me ever since. So <laughs> I got that one good victory in. So thank you, Whimsicott. I'm a, I'm a bit basic. I uh, I love Eevee and all the Eeveelutions. They're all real neat. That's fair. 
That's so fair. So my older son really likes Evie at this point, and now the toddler uh, has learned who Evie is. Evie or little Finley, the, the two year old, knows two Pokemon names. He knows Pikachu and he knows Evie. Let's go. Um, yeah. So he uh, he really likes Evie. He's got little toys and stuff all over the house. We're definitely an Eevee household. <laughs> what sort of impacts did Emerald have on you? Um, So I think this was the first Pokemon game that I was actually able to beat on my own, like without help from my mom, Um, which was definitely a confidence builder for me. You know, like just being able to beat a game when you're a kid is like a big deal. Um, I, I was just so excited to see like the credits roll and get to hear the and also the credit, the closing credits music in these games is gorgeous like there's really beautiful music that plays during the end credits it's very emotional and i remember feeling very strongly about like having this moment that i'd finally beaten the game um but i think the biggest impact the game has had on me has just been like as an emotional anchor like i remember playing it during very nice pleasant times like in my childhood and so when I do replay it it channels a lot of those same feelings so it's just really been my comfort game I feel like it's it's in a way it's almost a barometer for my mental health it's like if I'm replaying Emerald I'm probably going through something at that moment where it's like I need I need to like come back down uh or uh it's just kind of become a little indicator of like hey I'm going through it right now, which is why I'm replaying Emerald for the thousandth time. But it's like just a comfort game for me because when I play it, um, I feel like I still something about it is really good at like bringing up the same uh, feelings that I felt the first times I played it. So it's it's been a real anchor for me, I think. I think that's probably the biggest impact it's had on me. It's just like having something to easily reconnect with like my childhood on hand and it'd be like a very intense emotional experience every time yeah one of my uh comfort games that i recently admitted to myself has been fallout new vegas that's such a nice game it's it's not like a pleasant game (laughs) (laughs) but gosh that game was fun what a goofy game (laughs) i love the soundtrack to that game it slaps so good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, that was a very fun game. I played that one on the 360 as well, and uh, I really liked that one. If you have an Xbox Series X or S or whatever, uh, whichever one has the actual disk drive, I, I have both current gen or, depending on who you ask, next gen consoles. And uh, there's an FPS boost and a resolution boost. It's like night and day without it versus with it. And it runs very smoothly. I believe the team at Obsidian that had worked on New Vegas, I believe they made, what is that game? Outer. Outer Worlds? Outer Worlds was that game that they made. Um, And it channels a lot of the same energy as New Vegas. That was a banger of a game. I loved that game, Outer Worlds. Yeah, I really wish I had that high of a praise. I think it's a solid three out of five, but it just, it leaves a Fallout-sized hole in my heart, okay? It worked for me. A little Fallout New Vegas-sized hole in my heart. (laughs) I guess it hit for me. Something about it uh, was was working for me, personally. But I I feel that. I could definitely see where it could uh, fall short if it's not your 
exact vibe. Although I I did like the fact that there was a lot of people of color in space for once. That that was very nice to see. For once. I felt like they did a good job of that. And also there was like space gays. Oh well, yeah, yeah. There really was space gays. There was a space ace. That was great. I was heartbroken that the romantic companion that I had my eye on did not have her eye on me. That was devastating for me personally. Was it Pavati? It was Pavati. Yes, it was. Oh, I love Pavati so much. So bad. She's great. I know. That was devastating for me. But it was one of those moments where I was like, yay, lesbian representation. But couldn't you have just been with me? (laughs) (laughs) I want you to be with me. There's there's pros and cons to both the uh, everyone's attracted to you regardless of your gender, which is uh, uh, the Fallout 4 approach versus the uh, yeah, no, everyone has their own set uh, sexual orientation like Fallout New Vegas or Outer Worlds. Yeah, I don't know which one I prefer, mainly because I think both have their pros and cons personally, but it, it it still pains me when, when you get turned down. I know. Yeah. So I was just talking to Christian about this actually literally like yesterday about how, uh, if you have the, in new Vegas and something so stunning about new Vegas to me, we're so far off topic. I'm so sorry. This is going to be like a nightmare for you to edit. Um, but the thing that was so interesting about it to me is how much of the game you could, basically opt to do speech instead of combat right you could like talk your way through anything in fallout new vegas um which was really interesting you could basically like opt for dialogue instead of combat uh in there's a whole bunch of people that have done a uh, pacifist runs of uh yeah fallout new vegas stunning and and the funniest part of that to me is if you play as a female character and you take the black widow perk there are like multiple parts of the game that are like plot critical sections of the game that you can seduce your way out of. I still can't believe they got Matthew Perry to play Benny in this fucking game. Well, it was the whole thing with Benny, you know, like the, the, the guy that you're trying to like, the whole thing of the game is you're trying to get back at this dude for shooting you in the head and you can seduce him. And the thing is, like, the game will let you fuck him. <laughs> it's like, well, do you want to? And you can be like, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, yeah, so that's delightful. Am I the only one who always thought that Victor, the cowboy robot, was played by Woody Harrelson? I can see that. I always thought it was Woody Harrelson, but it's not him. I'm like, what the hell? It's not? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm sorry for steering you so far off course. We've really veered into the New Vegas weeds. <laughs> oh, no. I will gladly talk about Fallout New Vegas anytime. It's a fantastic today. game. Is there any specific moment while playing uh, that's stuck with you over the years? Um, So I have two. Uh, One of them's legit. One of them's kind of silly. Uh, one of them is something that I still remember from this is actually I'm cheating a little bit because this is Ruby and Sapphire, but it's the same generation of games. So uh, before Ruby and Sapphire came out, I remember being at Walmart and seeing a demo display of the game. So like if you if you got to see one of these, this was like big stuff. 
Um, this was a big day if you got to see like a demo game. And they had a display out where they had a Game Boy Advance SP that had um, one of the new Pokemon games loaded into it, which it hadn't come out yet. So I had I had literally never seen. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew it as like some new Pokemon game. And I walked up to the little Game Boy display and I looked at the screen and going back to what I said earlier about how big of a jump it was from Gen 2 to Gen 3, because I had still been playing my old Gen 2 games. Um, this was like, it was breathtaking. First of all, it was like colorful, whereas the Game Boy Color games, they had color in them, but you know, the, the world just wasn't nearly as dimensional and fleshed out and just like it was gorgeous and the music was beautiful and I was just so thrilled and the thing that I remember so distinctly from this little gameplay demo is that you could you I was like basically just walking around and taking in how beautiful like the overworld looked and I remember walking up over to this little like coast area and walking out onto the sand in the game and when you walked around in the sand, little footsteps would appear behind you where you had walked. <gasps> and I'd never seen that in a game before. And I remember just like screaming. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my God, I can leave footprints in the sand. It's so cute. That was it's that, just like real life. Yeah. That was so incredibly cool that like I was thrilled. I was so excited for the game. And that apparently was enough that I still remember it you know, literally 20 years later. Um, but the other one, the the one that is specific to Emerald version, uh, this is so stupid and embarrassing, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's silly. In, in Rustboro City, which is like the first sort of like big city that you encounter in the game, there's a building that has inside of it this little girl and her dad. And when you approach the dad and talk to him, he tells the player that he is trying to get his little daughter. Her name is Walda. He's trying to get her to laugh. This all the way, by the way, like all of this has, you can go the entire game without ever encountering this. This is not something that's relevant to the plot. This is literally just something that's like off to the side and you may find this. Um, you talk to him. He's like, I'm trying to get my daughter to laugh. And he asks the player if they know a funny word or phrase to get her to laugh. And then it brings up a text input where you can type in literally anything. So the rest of the game involves these little text inputs, but usually they just give you words that you can select. So like they've already got the words typed out for you. You just pick which words go there. Um, this is kind of one of the only inputs other than like name fields. Uh, this is one of the only text inputs in the game where you can type in literally whatever you want. Apparently the purpose of it is that this is where you're supposed to type in a code that will generate like a custom wallpaper for you or something. But the way that you figure out what the custom code is, you have to like go online and do a generator for, I don't know. It's I've never, I never bothered with it. It's not that important, but but me playing this game on my Game Boy Advance as a nine-year-old, I typed every filthy, profane, disgusting, nasty word I could think of. <laughs> I was just absolutely a menace. Even, 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 even butt? Even butt. 
butthole, <gasps> all holes, <laughs> all bets were off. I was typing everything I could think of into this. And and I was nine and I had been in so few like games that had let me just like input whatever text I wanted. And like the context of it is so funny because the dad <laughs> is like, oh, can you tell me something that I will then repeat to this little girl and see if it will make her laugh? And you tell him, literally whatever you want and he will then turn and tell it to a little girl so i am like dying laughing this is easily the funniest thing i've ever experienced in my life and i remember extremely distinctly that i was i had i found this while i was on an airplane with my family and so i was nine playing pokemon emerald on my game boy advance on this airplane with like my mom sitting right next to me and i'm trying to like <laughs> angle the screen away from her <laughs> so that she can't see that i am typing <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> like, typing like shit ass into the game and just like laughing my ass off it was so funny it was i i remember it very fondly it was a great moment for me oh that's that's amazing yeah so such a bizarre little like side thing in the game but gosh that was that was delightful for me and on to our final question for the evening alan for all intents and purposes you're kind of my go-to gal for Pokemon tonight, or at least Pokemon Emerald. Can you give me and the audience a 30-second pitch as to why we should dust off our old Game Boys stored somewhere in a box or download a ROM of the game and play it on our phones on the go? Uh, your time starts now. Okay. So this is a fantastic Pokemon game to start with if you've never played it before because the Pokedex is still pretty small at only the third generation. It holds up remarkably well even 17 years later after it has come out. Um, it rewards curiosity and exploration while also presenting the player with a lot of challenges that pace the game really well. Um, and it also has just some of the most incredibly gorgeous environments and music of the Five series. Seconds. So go play it now. Nailed it. I got it. Nailed it. Yeah, that was one thing I didn't really touch on is that the music in this whole game absolutely crushes. This is like just, oh, it's so good. The music in Gen 3 is is incredible. There's like a meme about how this music was really trumpet heavy. Um, <laughs> like I don't know why the, the music in this generation was just like blaring trumpets the whole time, but I thought it was really pretty. The music is so nice. Uh, do you know which game has your favorite soundtrack? I think that... You know, these games probably have my the most individual tracks that hit really right for me. Um, but the music that I think probably stirs more emotion in me is the, the second generation games because, you know, I was a kid and they were my first Pokemon games. And, you know, it, there's more of a nostalgia factor for the second generation games to me. So the, that music was... Uh, so choice for me there's there's a track in particular um the music that plays in in the second generation of games in the national park which is just this pretty little park in the middle of the map and that's it it's a pretty little place and this really beautiful music plays in the national park that is is it almost makes me want to cry every time i hear it it's so pretty pokemon music is is so good all right well thank you for your time uh with that we're gonna call it a wrap on uh this week's episode 
Uh, once again, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and talk about one of your favorite games with me. And you're always welcome back for a future episode. Uh, where can we find you right now? And are you working on anything at the moment? Yeah, I am. So I, I now I now have two podcasts. Ooh. I know you happen to to catch me if I after I've launched my second podcast, which is fresh. It just started last week. So um my, my first podcast, my baby that I've been uh cranking out for a few years now is Just the Zoo of Us, which is a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, and it is about animals. So if I think there's a significant overlap between people who like animals and people who like Pokemon. So uh, if you, <laughs> we also talk about Pokemon a lot in our podcast. Uh, they just come up all the time. So, um, you know, that, that one's out there, Just the Zoo of Us. And also my new podcast is called Spellbound and Gagged. And um, it's more it's less family friendly in that it's not family friendly at all um but that one is all about just any sort of weird maybe creepy maybe gross just anything kind of strange and weird the the idea is that like if you've ever been the type of person to you know stay up until 2 a.m on like a weird wikipedia rabbit hole um, it's like that in podcast form, basically. So the first episode is out. It is about um, having sex in space. So if that's something that you would be interested in hearing uh, me and my co-host Ashley Hamer from the Curiosity Daily podcast, I should say previously from the Curiosity Daily podcast, uh, go check that out. That's Spellbound and Gagged. So both of those are up. Um, that's where you can find me. I haven't yet talked about Pokemon on Spellbound and Gag, but we're only one episode in, so we'll see yeah, where it's it goes. bound to happen. I'm sure it will. Uh, I will be posting at least uh, an Apple podcast link for both of those shows. Awesome. Before we wrap things up, we have a listener question. Uh, this question comes from a good friend of mine named Otto at Kiddo Cut on Twitter, who asks, what Pokemon would you think would be the most difficult, fun, or unusual to take care for in a zoo setting. Okay. So I did think about this quite a bit and I have two answers. I have one for difficult and one for fun. Um, unusual. Any, I mean, any, any Pokemon is going to be unusual to keep in a zoo, but I have good answers. I think for difficult and fun. So for difficult, I think it's going to be the entire Abra line of Pokemon um, because they're notorious in the games for being difficult to catch because as soon as you see one, it teleports away. They are psychic, psychic type Pokemon who, you know, Abra especially, as soon as you see one, you need to catch it within the first move of the first turn because if you don't catch it right away, it will use the move teleport and then teleport away. Um, and so that's why I think it would be so incredibly difficult to keep in a zoo setting because they just teleport away. Like, I don't think you would be able to construct any sort of habitat for them that would contain them because they just teleport out of it. I don't think you could even contain them at all. Um, so I think that the Abra line would just be the most challenging to keep in a zoo. You could maybe convince one to just hang out. Like, I know in Pokemon Legends Arceus, like, one of the people in the game has an Abra that just kind of, like, hangs out near them. So I guess you could kind of, like, befriend them and <laughs> earn their trust and convince them not to teleport away from you. But, uh, yeah, I think it would be 
the Abra line because of the containment issue. But as far as the most fun, there is a Pokemon from the newer games. I think this is I think this one was new in Sword and Shield. It's like a Gen 8 Pokemon. Uh it's called Drampa. Uh which is like a play on the words dragon and I think grandpa because it looks like an old man. <laughs> it's like an old man dragon Pokemon. <laughs> And I say that this would be the most fun to keep in a zoo, specifically because of its Pokedex entry from Ultra Moon version. And that Pokedex entry reads, It appears in towns and plays with the children. Drampa will protect kids when they're in danger so their moms don't have to worry. And it's so sweet. And I just think that that, you could really use Drampa as like a petting zoo sort of like, like, you know, most zoos often have like a playground or a little play area for little kids to run around and get their energy out. Um, and I think Drampa would be a great feature of like a kid's area where the kids could, could run around and Drampa would play with them and, and protect them. Maybe an opportunity for parents who have brought their kids to the Pokemon zoo to sort of like, get a little breather, you know, have some food, check their phone, stuff like that. Um, I think Drampo would be a great addition to a Pokemon Zoo. I think another, uh, a good combination with that one would probably be uh, Sylveon. Oh, I love Sylveon. I think Sylveon might be my favorite of evolution. It's so cute. Mainly because they, they evolved due to uh, a massive amounts of friendship and kindness. Yes, you have to so love I think on they'd, them. they'd also be very good for a... Uh, uh, a petting zoo type of situation yeah i just think any sort of like um pokemon that in enjoys you know interaction with humans would be great to have around like that's the thing about pokemon is that since a lot of them are designed to be like companions and pets and and you know enjoy interaction with human with humans you're gonna get a lot more uh good petting zoo candidates than you will for actual real world wildlife <laughs> That was a great question, though. I thought that was really cool. I really enjoyed thinking about that. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm a little jealous I didn't think of it. It combines <laughs> the topic and one of your podcasts. I know. I know. I feel so uniquely qualified to answer this question. <laughs> With that, I'm George Diaz. Alan Weatherford is our lovely guest. The amazing music you hear at the beginning and end of the episode and where I got the name of my podcast from is 34 Seconds to Go by... Offworld, aka Josh Turnipseed. You can find the show on Twitter for as long as the site is active at CheckpointPod1. That is Checkpoint P O D as in Dolphin 1, the number 1. A newly made Tumblr blog known simply as Checkpoint Podcast. No spaces between the words. And you can send in questions or comments about the show to uh, Checkpoint Podcast TM. That's uh, one T for podcast and one T for TM uh, at gmail.com. I want to try getting in some questions before recording starts for whoever gets I have on that week for a sort of mailbag. And I'll be posting who the guest is and what time and uh, what game we're talking about on uh, both Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, like I've said earlier, Twitter will be dubious since it seems to be sinking like the Titanic. 
But until it's completely gone, I'm still going to use it to spread the word on the podcast. Uh, Ellen, any last words for the show? Well, just thank you. I, I really enjoy having an opportunity to kind of geek out about video games because I have to like sneak in my video game references where they'll fit on my podcasts. Um, so it's really nice to have kind of a blank check to uh, info dump about them as much as I want. So uh, I really appreciate you for thinking of me and giving me the the time to to come talk to you about Pokemon. Well, yeah, I've been a fan pretty much since the beginning of uh, just the zoo of us. Yeah, absolutely. I know that that is weird because it feels I feel like this shouldn't be the first time we're actually speaking. I'm like I feel like we've definitely spoken before, but I realize we haven't, which that's an an odd feeling because we've been like mutuals and social media friends for like years at this point. So uh, it's it's been a delight. And with that, have a nice night. 